0: ever been tired? <sighs> I, uh, I've, been, I've been tired a lot. I'm going to sit down here. <sighs> We've been doing the core values for a, f- a few months now, and uh, you probably can't guess, but today I'm, I'm talking about excellence. And uh, I think it's important that we recognize that excellence isn't a tucked in shirt it's not a tie it's not wearing socks with my nike's it's not being perfect excellence isn't uh, everything being so pristine right because guess what we're we're not able to to be that way this side of heaven and so when we decided to make excellence a core value we wanted to make sure that we accurately defined it and so that's why the the help text up there we serve for the good of man and the glory of god and why is that because everything god does is for our good and for his glory every single thing if you do a word study in the bible you'll see that for my name's sake or his name's sake or some variation of that phrase, is in there over 30 times. God wants people to know about him. And, and we point people to him. And when we do that, we're being excellent. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I look a little disheveled, right? But what, is, what, did, uh, what did God say to Samuel when he was looking for David? Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks where? At the, at the heart. He looks at the heart. And so, yeah, we love excellence here. Doesn't mean it's going to be perfect every Sunday. Doesn't mean it's going to be exactly what you're, what you're in, uh, hoping for in worship. Doesn't mean it's going to be exactly your style of message. But every week we are here for God. And when we show up and we do what he has called us to do, we believe that it is for our good, and for his glory. And so I, I pray this morning for, for each of you that you're able to, to dwell on good things. Things that don't make you tired. Things that don't give you anxiety. And that's the verse in Philippians 4 verse 8. It's actually that section. is called the cure for anxiety. It's very helpful. Whatever is good. Whatever is pure. Whatever is of good repute, whatever is moral, whatever is excellent, think on these things. So I just want to tell you guys you're excellent and I love you. And uh, thank you for, for putting up with me. Pastor Scott.
1: Thank you, John. I was a little bit worried. When I saw him looking like that, I was like, "What in the world is he getting ready to do?" I am much relieved. And by the way, I want to thank uh, Nate Nate Mayners for for being with us here today. Can you give Nate a round of applause? Thank you, Nate. Tammy and I were Nate's youth pastor when he was 12 years old. And I have seen him grow up and develop and mature, and he came on staff when we were at pastors at Destiny Church, and Bruce and Lisa were there, and we had a great, uh, great ministry, and uh, it's been fun to watch him. I, uh, during the song, and I was obviously very anointed, you could really sense the presence of God, but I leaned over to Tammy, I said something real unspiritual. I said, take a photo of this. I want to remember this, I want to remember and being here and uh, he attended here for, for, for many years and it's great to have him back. so Nate we love you guys. Thank you so much. If you have your Bibles turn to Psalm uh, 19 and I'm missing half of the platform today. I don't know what to, I don't know what to do. this is kind of old school. We've got a wedding coming up and we've got Christmas and so we' decided to change things up a little bit so I'm going to get to come down and walk around. A little bit The reason we had the stage built uh, was because of our online viewers, and, and I'd like to walk around, and I was told that I walk around too much, that I need to stay in one place, and that is almost impossible. <laughs> so uh, anyway, hopefully the camera will follow us, all, all you online. Thank you for watching today, and thank you for being here today. Um, we're going to talk for just a few minutes out of Psalms. We're going to wrap up, we're wrapping up. Can you be, believe the year is almost over? And we've been in the book of Psalms all year long, and we're going we're gonna to go to Psalm 19 just um, in a few minutes. Last week, we talked out of Psalm 51, where David used his words to describe the heartbreak that he was feeling. He had just committed adultery with Bathsheba. Killed her husband. Covered it up. Was exposed by the the prophet Nathan. And Nathan pointed his finger and said, David, you're the man. And like so many politicians do, He could have backpedaled. He could have dodged the issue, gone to a commercial break. But what I like about David is, is he used his words to reflect his heart. And when he was exposed by Nathan the prophet, David said, I am How refreshing. Boy, I wish our, I wish our leaders would would, would 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 fess up and just confess a little bit more and use their words to articulate what's in their heart and, and just say, you know, I, I was wrong. By the way, when was the last time you said those three words? Probably a good thing to say, wouldn't it? I was wrong. I'm sorry. I love you. I believe in you. You're great. We're going to make it. Words are powerful. And that's why in Psalm 19, David penned these words in verse verse 14. He said, "May may the words of my mouth, underline that, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart Be pleasing to you, oh God, my rock and my redeemer. I don't know if you're like me, but there's a lot of times when my words and my thoughts are not pleasing to God. Come on, can we talk this morning? I mean, I would say maybe like, I don't know, like most of my words... I feel like sometimes, and most of my thoughts, like, like they're, they're, they're not pleasing. I'd be ashamed, I think just like you, to maybe if there was a, a program invented that would reveal what we're really thinking, what's really in our hearts, and I think it would reveal that it's not a whole lot of good sometimes that comes out of our mouth and out of our hearts. I like that David said, "God, I'm trying. I'm not perfect. I don't have my act together. But please, help me with my words and my thoughts. May they be pleasing in Your sight." That word, "they're pleasing," means delightful. It means pleasurable. And if I be honest with you today, that a lot of times my words are not pleasurable. They're not delightful. They're not pleasing. So today we're going to talk just for the next couple minutes about words matter, and your words matter. I've got seven points. Number one, I want you to understand today that words have incredible impact. Proverbs 18, verse 21, the, the tongue has the power of life, everyone say life, and death, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. Proverbs twelve eighteen says, the words of the reckless pierce like swords. But the tongue of the wise bring healing. See, your words are either like swords piercing, or they're bringing healing. Words have impact. I like what Napoleon Hill said: "Think twice before you speak, because your words and influence will plant the seeds of either success or failure in the mind of someone else." Kind words are a creative force, a power that concurs in the building up of all that is good and the energy that showers blessing upon the world. If you're a mom here today, I want you to be reminded that your words are powerful. If you are a dad here today, I want you to be reminded that your children, your grandchildren, they have to hear you speak Words, because words are impactful. If you are a grandfather or grandmother today, and by the way, I am a grandfather, and I love it. My name is G-Pops. G-Pops needs to be reminded that my little granddaughter Heidi needs to hear the words I speak over her, because words have impact. If you are married today, I did a wedding last night. The Andrus family, they were here after a late, late night, beautiful wedding for married couples. I've been married 38 years. Some of you here today, you've been married a lot longer than that. Your spouse, your wife, your husband, they need to hear you speak words of affirmation and love because words have incredible impact. Can I get an amen? amen? Number two, your words matter, not only because they're a powerful impact, but number two, I love this, your words, watch this, reveal your heart and reflect the real you. You see, when you and I speak, it is a reflection of what is in our heart, and it is the real you. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, I love this, make a good tree, and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. Underline that phrase. A tree is recognized by its fruit. You are recognized by what you say. Could it be that people don't want to hang around you anymore because of your words? Could it be that you've lost friendships because your words are too toxic, and people are repelled by being around you because of your words. It's called a bad tree with bad fruit. We're recognized by our words. You brought a vipers, not you. This is Jesus speaking to the hypocrites. This is not talking to you, church. This is not Bel-Isle, but how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Words matter because our words have impact, but number two, words matter because your words reveal the real you. Mortlock Daniel said this, The tongue is the servant of the heart. The tongue never speaks at random. The tongue is the criticizer of the mortal man. A deceased heart is thereby truthfully advertised. Wow. Your words reveal Your heart and the real you. Words matter. Can I get an amen? Uh, Number three. I love this one. Words matter because words unguarded can hurt and wound. How many of you are here today and you've had at least growing up, most likely many times as we are adolescents, you've had someone say something that hurt you. Can I see your hand? Yeah. Words matter because words can Unguarded, they can hurt and wound you. Look at Psalms 41 verse, uh, 141, verse 3. It says, set a guard. Everyone say guard. guard. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord, and keep watch over the door of my lips. I looked up that word their guard, and it means, that word their guard, means a hedge with thorns. Interesting. David was saying in Psalm 141, put a guard, put a bush, put a shrubs, watch this, with thorns in it, so your mouth will be guarded. And as soon as I read that, I thought of my backyard, I've got a big Portofino bush that I mistakenly... We went to Italy a couple years ago, and I fell in love with the Portofino bushes. They're beautiful flowers, and they, they, they grow like crazy. But, dude, they have thorns like this. And we went to Italy, and I came back, and I thought, hey, this is a great idea. I'm going to make my backyard look like Italy. So I planted 100 Portofinos. <laughs> and they have consumed my backyard. So a couple Saturdays, I went into try to clean them up and, 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 and cut them back a little bit. I came in and I had, and Tammy looks at me and says, what happened to you? I said, I ran into a Portofino bush. <laughs> and I lost. The Portofino won. The Portofino was guarding the fence and that bush won. And I thought to myself, Wow. We've got to be careful that we've got to guard our mouth and put a hedge around it with thorns to protect it to make sure that nothing comes out of our mouth that's going to hurt and wound people. You know, John was talking about excellence and John was talking about what we do here and our core values. And I just want to remind you, I take very seriously what I say to you. Because I understand the power of words. And unguarded words can wound and can hurt. So I'm going to tell all of you today, put a Portofino bush in front of your mouth. Guard your mouth because unguarded words can hurt and wound. Now, it's kind of unpractical to expect you to build a Portofino bush around your mouth. So I got you some duct tape. And I purposely got the see-through kind. I didn't want the gray one. I didn't want the black one. I wanted the see-through duct tape. Maybe there's times where we need to use this duct tape and we can put it over our mouth and no one's going to know anything. Because it's see-through. But it's a reminder of you and me today that we've got to guard our mouth. Because our mouths, unguarded, can speak words that can harm and wound and maim people. So in the lobby today, there will be ushers with duct tape. (laughs) Moms, you may want to get this for your husband. Guard my mouth. So that I don't speak anything that is evil and hurtful and painful. Can I get an amen? Look in your notes. You'll love this one. Proverbs 21, 23. Those who guard their hearts and their tongues keep themselves out of calamity. Could it be, ma'am? Could it be, sir, that the drama that you are dealing with right now in your family is coming from your inability to guard your mouth? Oh, Pastor Scott, I'm just sick of all the drama that i got to deal with. Could it be that you ran out of duct tape? <laughs> Bruce, am I being mean today? Could it be that the drama that is always circling you, could it be that you don't have a Portofino bush? in front of your mouth, guarding what you say. Kind words don't cost much, yet they accomplish much. I love what Winston Churchill said. He said this, we are masters of unsaid words, but slaves of those we slip out. I would, if I were you, let's adopt a 30-second rule. How many are willing to do that? Let me see your hand. 30 second rule. Here it is. If you're in a situation and it's uncomfortable and it's awkward and you're tempted just to let it out, how about we adopt at Belle Isle Community Church from now on a 30 second rule? That we are going to wait 30 seconds to really pray and intercede and think about what we're getting ready to say. I think if we had the 30-second rule, we would eliminate 90% of the drama that we deal with. 30 seconds. It could save you from a lot of hardship. Be careful what you say because your words can harm. Nate, you'll remember this. Tammy, I just—we're married. We're just starting to have children, and Tammy got pregnant, and we lost uh, that child through a miscarriage. I counted 43 years ago. I think. Yeah. No, it can't be 43 because we—we've only been married 38. Oh boy! (laughs) See what happens when you don't guard your words. I promise you we were married. (laughs) (laughs) Unguarded words. And we got pregnant. We lost the baby. And a a church secretary at our church came up to me as I was grieving and I was broken and just distraught. And she patted me on the back and said, Scott, don't worry about it. You'll get over it. I can still remember those words. And do you know, God is my witness, and Tammy knows, we have a soft place in our heart for people that go through miscarriages. You want to know why? Because we know how painful it is. And how a Christian, like I would expect that like at the, you know, the gym or in public, but for a Christian to pat me on the back and say, don't worry, you'll get over it. Words can hurt and harm. Can I get an Amen. Number three, got to go. I love this one. Words inspired by the Holy Spirit build. Everyone say build. Now, you came in today, and and hopefully an usher's, maybe you can help me out here. You came in today, and you were given a block of wood. Some of the ushers are going to come down real quick. I want everyone to get a block of wood just for a moment. If you didn't get a block of wood, raise your hand. And our ushers are going to come down. Boy, you guys did good today. We only had... Three or four minutes. Here, Tim, I'll give you that one. Everybody get your block of wood. Come on. This is not meant to throw at me. (laughs) (laughs) I know you want to. This is meant for you to keep. This block reminds me of building something. It's a building block. And I want you to be reminded today with this, with this inexpensive, high-impact illustration that the words that you speak have got to be inspired by the Holy Spirit to build. Everyone say build. Now, everybody's worried about someone not getting their block, so let's just make sure uh, Bob, everybody gets a block. we got one in the middle here, and people are pointing, and we've got to get, we get a block to everybody. Everybody got your block? All right. The Holy Spirit wants to use you to speak into people's lives to build them up. And I want you to take this block and I want you to put it in your pocket. And I want to show you what I did with my block that I gave Tammy. Where's that? Oh, you gave it to Austin. Austin's got it. I wrote six words on this block to remind myself that words build. And I want to be led by the Holy Spirit to speak words that don't tear people up, but speak words that build people up. So I wrote healing. I wrote destiny. I wrote direction. I wrote purpose. Why? Because I want to be reminded that when I allow the Holy Spirit to lead me, he can allow me to speak words that build people up. We are in the business of building people up. And God wants to use you to build people up. Are you all with me? Look in Proverbs there. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Ephesians chapter 4, I love this. Do not let any unwholesome, that word there means rotten. Don't let any unwholesome words come out of your mouth. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. That it may benefit those who listen. Look at that quote. Words are singularly the most powerful force available to humanity. We can choose to use this force constructively with words of encouragement or destructively using words of despair. Words have energy and power with the ability to help, heal, hinder, hurt, harm, humiliate, and humble. God, raise up men and women in this church that are going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to use words that are going to build up. That would have been a good time to say amen. Now, you have noticed that in the past few months, God has released a spirit of prophecy over this church. I don't understand it. I didn't manufacture this. But for whatever reason, God has released a spirit of liberty where I feel inspired to to prophesy or to speak over people. This is biblical. In fact, I'm not going to go there. I I might take time to teach on this, but if if you're interested, write down this scripture, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. You know what it says? It says, use the gift of prophecy to speak encouragement, comfort, and help to people. That's what it says. The writer says, eagerly pursue the gift of prophecy. That word there, prophecy, is a scary word. All it means is to speak under the inspiration. And Paul in 1 Corinthians was telling the Corinthian church Use this gift. Eagerly pursue this gift. There's a ton of the gifts, but I want you to excel in this gift. Why? Because the gift of prophecy builds people up. And when you allow the Holy Spirit to use you, you can inspire people and make them comforted and encouraged. Do you know that outside these walls, you get the heck beat out of you every day? Are you all with me? On the job, social media, you got all the politics going on, you got the race relations, you can get beat up really quick. And you know what I found? In this day, like never before, people are exhausted and they're tired and they want a little bit of encouragement. That's why Paul wrote to the church, church, excel in the gift of prophecy. Speak under the inspiration to build people up. Why? Because people are getting beat up out there. And so it's a joy for me Not to beat you over the head with a Bible and tell you how bad you are. No, I want to be like Paul. I want to use the gift of prophecy to encourage you, to comfort you, to build you up, not beat you up. And that's a good thing. And I'm going to pray that God will accelerate what he is doing. You ask the people in this church that I prophesied over, I guarantee you to 100% they will every single one say, that helped me. That encouraged me. That blessed me. That is called the gifts of the Spirit. And they're real today because the Spirit is real today. And they're alive today because the Spirit is alive today. We don't have to make it crazy. We don't have to make it spooky. We don't have to make it weird. We can simply allow God to use all of us to inspire one another, to build them up, to encourage them, and to comfort them. And if you will allow the Holy Spirit, He will use you to do that to people in your world. Your kids need you to prophesy. Your your family needs you to speak under the inspiration. Your, Your workers need to be built up. And God wants to use you through the power of the Holy Spirit to speak comfort, encouragement, and life to people. I hope you do it. Can I get an amen? Number five, Bruce, if you go to the keyboard. This is the good one here, number five. This is powerful, what I'm getting ready to share with you right here. Point number five. Words matter because words create. Everyone say create. Now, watch this. The first description of God is in Genesis 1. It says, in the beginning, God what? Created. Created. Before the Bible tells us that God loves, it tells us he's a creator. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't love. God loves. But the first words in Genesis was, God is a God who creates. And there's gifts in you. And there's talents in you. And God wants you to, 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 to be a reflection of His creativity through song, through art, through music. Nate, I was so blessed because God was using Nate Mainers to sing and to worship. Why? Because God wants to use you to create because He's a creator. You don't know this. I started painting about three years ago, never painted a thing in my life. You ought to see my house, my garage, my office. Come by, I've got paintings everywhere. I don't think I'm Picasso, but I like what I'm doing. It relaxes me. It's fun. What am I doing? I'm being a reflection of God the creator. Create. Sing. Write songs. Write books. Do something you've never done before. Why? Because God's a creator. In the beginning, God created. Now, let me ask you a question. Are y'all with me this morning? Was there a construction crew around when God started to create the world? Did he get on the phone and call a construction company and say, hey, I want to create the world. Can you help me? Send me in a bid and we'll, we'll, we'll negotiate and figure it out. No. How did God create this incredible world we live in? He spoke them. Watch this, God spoke and things were created. Why are you any different? The words you speak create, they either create a toxic environment filled with despair and discouragement or when you speak they're like, God, you speak and it's beautiful. The Yellowstone Mountains. Boom. He spoke that. It's incredible. Now watch this. I've listed it for you in Genesis. And by the way, if you ever want to go forward, go back. If you ever want to go forward, go back to the beginning. Because Genesis is filled with principles that apply to our lives today. I listed it in your notes. God created. And then look in verse Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, it says God said. Verse 6, God said. Verse 9, God said. Verse 14, God said. Verse 20, God said. Verse 24, God said. Verse 26, God what? Come on church, God what? Good. In verse 27, it says God created. I love this one. In verse 28, he said, he blessed. Verse 29, God said, and then watch this, here it is. Verse 31, God saw. Oh man, this is good. You will see what you say. God said, God said, God said, God said, God said, He took a break. God blessed. God said, God saw. We see what we say. And if you want to change your marriage, if you want to change your company, if you want to change your business, if you want to change your destiny, if you want to change your physical condition, start by acting like God and start saying it. Say it, 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 say it. You'll see it. It's that simple. Oh, I know I'm getting excited. I can't help it. This is, this is beautiful life principles. So, I went golfing a couple weeks ago, and I was in a situation that I have not been in in a long time. I was on a par five. And I was on in three. And that's a beautiful place to be. And I was playing with Brad and Rochelle Danner. And I was on in three, which means I can make a putt and that's birdie and that's glorious. If I make a par, that's okay too. And as I'm walking on the green with Brad and Rochelle Danner. I said out loud, all I have to do is not three putt and I'm going to be okay. Why did I say that? I hadn't been on a par five and three all day. And there I am facing destiny. I could see behind me CBS, the commentators getting ready to talk about my stroke, putting it into the hole for birdie. And as I'm walking up, I said something, watch this, and I created an atmosphere. And I said, all I have to do is not three putt. Do you know what happened? I birded it. No, just kidding. I three-putted. As I'm walking off, Rochelle said, Scott, you shouldn't have said it. And she was right. Our words create. If you're having problems with your kids, speak, 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 and then you'll see. It's really true. In my life there's things I'm speaking over my family and I'm just speaking them and I'm, speaking them and I'm speaking them and I'm speaking them and I'm speaking them and I'm going to see them. Why? Because God creates with words. And if I were you, I can't make you do this. If I were you, I'd get a pen out and I'd write on that block that you were holding in your hand. I would write words that when you see that block it will remind you to build and to speak and to be like God and speak things into existence. Because what you speak, you'll see. Are you sick in body? Speak healing today. Is your marriage on the rocks? Speak health to your marriage. Are you worried about your future? You worried about your destiny? You worried about God? What am I going to do? I need direction. Speak, and you will see what you say. Lakeem Kazi says, Your words become your world. And could it be that what you are experiencing right now is the very thing that you created with your words? Can it change? Absolutely. Change your words. Speak the words of life. Number six, quickly, your words will be judged. I know there's a buzzkill right here. Buzzkill. Your words will be judged. Jesus says that everyone's going to have to give an account every day for every empty word. That word there means lazy. Lazy word. You know what? We're all guilty of lazy words. Oh, Pastor Scott, the devil made me do it. Oh, really? No, he just got lazy. Oh, no, no, no. I didn't mean to say that. No, <laughs> you, you meant to say it. It's a lazy word. You're going to be judged. That ought to remind us, meant one day it's so all going be held accountable. The number seven. Are you still with me? Let me hear an amen. Your words can last a lifetime. Be careful with your words once they are said. They can only be forgiven, not forgotten. Let me end with this story real quick. I want to tell you how Tammy and I met. It was 1979. And we went to prom. Now, the only problem was that I didn't go to prom with Tammy. Tammy. She went with my best friend Aaron, and I went with a girl by the name of Brenda. It gets crazy. So we go to dinner. We have a wonderful meal. We go to the hotel and we, and we dance. And for whatever reason, I promise you I am not guilty. Brenda got mad because she says that I was dancing with all the other girls and not her. So this is before cell phones. She went to the lobby. She called her mom, Martha. Martha called my dad, Pastor Jim. And Pastor Jim was mad. So I'm having a good time. We're dancing. We're having a great time, prom, tuxedos, the whole thing. We get home and my dad meets me at the front door with Tammy, Aaron, Scott, and Brenda. And he was mad. He said seven words to me that I'll never forget. Seven. I'm not going to tell you what he said. (laughs) Because I want to honor him. And I know he's watching. He said seven scathing words. And then he said after he gave me incredible scathing, you know, not, not, uh, I'm going to be honest. Like it didn't crush me. I mean, I was just, it didn't like, like harm me. But I remember it. It's been 43 years. That's where 43, been for 43 years and I still remember words will never be forgotten they'll be forgiven and won't be forgotten but after he said these scathing words that would just no father would ever want to say to their son he said something beautiful after that he says scott i'm mad i can't believe you did this aaron i want you to take brenda home scott i want you to take tammy home that's how we met And I was driving down 408, taking Tammy home, and I was thinking, man, this girl's not as uptight as Brenda is. (laughs) I think Tammy wouldn't mind if I did dance with a few other ladies at prom. I'm kind of liking this. That's how I met Tammy. And we've been married 38 wonderful years, four beautiful kids, served God faithfully all these years. So the moral of the story is my dad says something really bad, but then he said something really good. Scott, you take Tammy home, and it changed my life. Your words matter. Create and be like God, and create the world that you want to live in. You can do it. In Jesus' name, would you stand up across...